0: Good morning, and welcome to Zero's a Day, Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA. Here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We're promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and, and we are here to help you, our listeners. Every time we are on here, we're here to help you to know and to impact the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There are several ways you can do so. The primary way, if you want to get your thoughts live on the air, is to call the number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your uh commentary, dialogue, whatever it may be, live on the air. Also, the chat room is open. You can go to uh go to our page on Blog Talk Radio slash zero today, and you can get in on the uh, live chat room and uh, share your thoughts there also. And uh, of course, we have our Facebook page, the Zero Network, on Facebook. Uh, you can go there and tune and share your comments uh, under the the um, page. I mean, uh, under the show show link there. However, you choose to do it. Um, also, follow us on uh, Twitter. Uh, the sh- uh, handle for the show is at Zero Radio. And my personal handle is at Prophesy on Twitter. And you can hit me up in email at PastorLorenzoNeal at com. Those are the ways that you can uh, get in touch with us and share with us. We all always looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners, for good feedback uh, uh, for our show, what we're doing. We love to hear from you. We appreciate everything that you do. Uh, We've got a lot that we're going to try to come proud Uh, into the show show today. I don't know why I'm I'm not able to talk, (laughs) but uh, it is Ash Wednesday, so we're going to talk a little bit about Ash Wednesday. Uh, We're going to talk uh, about the religious standards, high religious standards and expectations that uh, has been a part of the Black church tradition for uh, centuries, generations, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we also have some news that's, of course, that we always lead off with. But before we get started with anything else, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the day. We bless you for this is the day that you have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Now, Father, as we do the show, we ask first that you would just allow us to be yielded and guided by you. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said before, it's Ash Wednesday, and... um beginning of the Lent season. So many people are giving up something for the next 40 days. Or I like to, I'm starting to use the word suppressing a desire for the next 40 days. Uh, They're, they're finding ways to circumvent that particular desire or uh, whatever it may be. If it's a fast, you know, they're giving up uh, food or they're giving up cold drinks. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, we say cold drinks so, <laughs> but they may be giving up soda. They may be giving up uh, sweets. Um, maybe giving up television. Some maybe giving up social media. Whatever it may be, you know, they're they're, they're suppressing that particular desire for 40 the next 40 days, and um, it's a good thing. And as I said in the last periscope, if you, if you do it, you know, do it intent do with intent not to take it up again and just say, okay, I went this long without it, but do it with the intent of being liberated spiritually, being renewed and being encompassed by the grace of God and empowered that when the 40 days of Lent is up and you're ready to go into the Easter season and celebrate the resurrection and liberating power of the resurrection, you can do so without any inconvenience, and without having to say, "Okay, I lasted to Good Friday." You know, I've done that, and I know a lot of people do that, but that is what it is, you know. And uh, for those of you who don't observe Lent, that's good. Maybe you should look into doing that. Maybe it could be the launching pad for you to develop a greater sense of spirituality, you know, or greater sense. And a greater appreciation for life, and uh, what we have here in the West, you know, where we're able to give up—something yeah, you have to think about. So again, so let's get into some of these news stories. Uh, I don't know where to begin. There's a lot. <laughs> there's, there's a literally. I'm looking at some stacks, and I'm reading uh, quite a few things that caught my attention. Um, uh. Pastors of Atlanta premiered last week and um, like the other two uh, segments of that particular show, uh, it's it's already got an interesting start, uh, already got an interesting um, season to promote. The characters uh, are different, you know you know, they're not as blingy or well, I don't know. I, I just call snippets. I didn't watch the entire thing. But of course the stand up standout uh character in this particular uh brand of the preacher series is Leandria Johnson. Of course you may know she's a uh season winner of BET's Sundays Best, who who has been tainted quite a bit over the over the years since she's won, even before she won, but she's been tainted quite a bit. Uh so much so that, you know, I I, I know I, we talked about this before with her Periscope, but uh, on the show, of course, in in, in the in the uh, premiere, she she's seen distributing cigarettes and condoms, and her stance on same sex marriage, all of that generated most of the controversy. And again, I'm not I'm not surprised by it. I know a lot of people were surprised and um even one person in particular was uh concerned enough to speak out on Periscope and that's the person of Pastor Donnie McClurkin. And of course you know Donnie McClurkin uh being a judge on Sunday's best at the time that she was a contestant uh Spoke up about her uh, character flaw. I guess you can say that's the best way of putting it uh, regarding her appearance on or um, Preachers of Atlanta, and it comes across as a open rebuke with love, you know, in love rather. But the question, the question is, and, and I'm sure many have asked this um, with with her. Um, a wonderful talent, a wonderful talent. It was clear as a contestant that she she faced a lot of internal struggles that she didn't end. She didn't uh, meet quite the standards <laughs> uh, of a gospel artist. But she could say, and she ended up winning the contest. And the question is, if they were aware of that then, you know, why are they speaking out now? Why did they use that as a means of you know, not allowing her to win, putting her in that in this place, you know, or not putting her there but helping or assisting in her getting to this place where she's an embarrassment to them now. And I, I guess embarrassment is a strong word. It it could be a strong word. But the reality is, you know, we we see things and we discern things and Oftentimes we don't speak out because we don't want to offend or hurt folks' feelings. And then when it comes back to bite us, we we are naysayers in the fact that, well, you know, we're just trying to rebuke in love. I guess there's a place for that. You're talking about you're talking about a show that's generated for not for conversion. You know, it's not about bringing people to Christ. It's it's, it's about ratings. And I'm sure that all of those who are who are now uh, cast members of this particular segment of the Preacher Series are fully aware uh, that their role in the show is not just to create or show off what they do as clergy, but to generate drama to bring in ratings. It's just that way. And I'm sure that they signed off realizing that the editors of the show would do so. They would edit the show to reflect the best drama and, and that's what they're gonna get. Now I'm not sure what the rest of the antics would be like, but from that first episode, of course it's gonna draw a crowd. And it brings it likens itself to that season that show uh, on Lifetime preach with with the female prophetesses. And you see that was short lived the cry the cry for protest. I mean the protest cries uh helped bring that show to cancellation. And yet in in this, in, in uh, Oxygen, there is no, or if there is such, is not enough to have halted the series. And I can't say, honestly, if they decide to do a Preachers of Jackson, if I'm still in the area, if I would contact, I couldn't say I wouldn't consider it. <laughs> I, I don't have a drama life. You know, I I'm, I don't I don't think I get much air time. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh but if you watch the series, you know, I guess there's nothing wrong with watching it. we um, just pray for those who are part of it. That's all you can do. As a matter of fact, that's one thing you're required to do. So, in transition from that, uh the latest news also in the gospel music industry is regarding Kirk Franklin. If you're not aware, Kirk Franklin is collaborating or has collaborated on an album with Kanye West. And um, this was uh, reported firstly by EX News, EX Ministries, rather. And um, if you're not familiar with EX Ministries, um, he's been... Let me find this real quick. Um... God excuse me, just for a second, while I pull this up. Um, G. Uh, Craig, G. Craig Lewis, I think that's—I think I have it right. Yeah, G. Craig Lewis. I had to forget. I don't know how I forgot that. But uh, you know, he started Ex Ministries as a means of addressing uh, some of his spiritual concerns of hip hop. And he's been touring the country, presenting on that for for at least a decade. And um, he he's been he's been talking about the deeper spirituality of it. More uh more specifically the the demonic inspiration behind it. And uh he was on Jay Z for one time and of course Kanye West when he did the Jesus Walks, um and Jay Z for calling himself uh Hova or whatever. What he calls himself, I don't know. Uh, but Kiff Franklin is has collaborated with this album with Kanye West, and Kanye West literally, as he's promoting this album, he he holds he doesn't hold back in saying that it's a it's a gospel album with cursing in it, and I'm like, wow, you know, I, but he's an entertainer. and and whatever it may be, but he's very clear that when he, he and when you go to the ex page EXministries.com, uh, dot com, you see uh, the article here, uh, the article there uh, that T. Craig Lewis pre- uh presents, and uh, in an interview with Big Boy, uh, was it Big Boy TV, or Big Boy Radio, whatever. Uh, He, Kurt Franklin, I mean not Kurt Franklin, Kanye West, uh, said it's not exactly what happened in the Bible, but it's the story of Mary Magdalene becoming Mary. And basically, you know, he's just kind of (laughs) reinventing, rewriting, uh, not reinterpreting. He's completely reinventing and rewriting the story of Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it's, you know you got to appreciate a person's creativity you got to appreciate you know all his his art artistic value but when it comes to things like this uh, you know of course we as as clergy preachers and all that we must be on guard and and help help uh differentiate this and say no this is not gospel at all it's not gospel because you missed Jesus or a uh biblical characters. It's not gospel. It doesn't make it gospel. And Now, the closest thing that he did that was close to gospel was that Jesus Walks song, the album, and, you know, of course, you know, churches were blasting that. Uh, I had arranged it for one of the marching bands I was working with at the time, and, you know, it resonated deeply within uh, the black church community. Resonated, and, of course, it had some folks Going against it, but for the young people, it resonated deeply uh because of the imagery as well as the allegory in that uh that song but here at this one, this album it's it's is it's all but well, maybe it is blasphemy, maybe it is complete blasphemy, but you know Conway has. Uh, certainly, distance himself from any sense of religious identification. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the secular, that's what they do. But when we talked about a gospel artist collaborating and such, that's 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 tricky. But then again, as I said before, uh, now I said some time ago, Kurt Franklin has always walked a very very thin line when it came to circular music. I mean, he incorporated. Uh, the bulk of his music library is secular in the sense that uh, you know he he revamped how uh, secular songs were used and just put gospel lyrics or uh, more inspirational or positive lyrics to them. He's collaborated with secular artists before. Remember he uh, worked with Mary J. Blige and others on that song uh, uh I am here. I can't think of the name of it, uh, but several years ago, uh, here's the shoulder you can lean on me or something like whatever that. Is. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, so it's not that he's collaborating. That's the problem. It's not who he's collaborating with. That's the problem. Uh, I think the biggest problem is that, um, you know, Kurt Franklin is a is an artist. You know he signed to labels in some way and sometimes you know when it comes to collaboration that's a good way to broaden your your brand
1: in some words
0: but if you're going to broaden your brand you need to do so with a full awareness that you don't you're not gonna compromise your brand and unfortunately I think this compromises his brand uh quite a bit but then again uh I know preachers who will curse from the pulpit <laughs> So i in. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, I I I just hope I'm I'm not going to be on hard as hard on him as G. Craig Lewis or some others uh, have been, you know. But you know, you, you're talking about actually actually in reality to me, it's a double standard because you know uh, when you look at the BT gospel celebration of gospel. So there were as many secular artists performing with gospel artists, duets, you know, and things of that nature. And they were celebrated. They, that was seen as, hey, we're embracing you and you're legitimizing us. And um, and now it's, you know, it's backwards. Anyway, let we'll me take a quick break, get my thoughts together. When we come back, we're going to get into the topic of the day, legacy and legitimacy. And we're going to talk about the black religious struggle, particularly... The idea of the strict religious observances uh, and standards and expectations that may have been oppressive and repressive now are uh, are not well for us. So stay tuned. Don't tune me out. Maybe I need a little pick-me-up, so we're going to take a break and get a little pick-me-up and come back. (laughs)
1: I don't know. I
0: to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from.
1: Who is she? That's FloBot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, FloBot. Great job. Oops. Uh Uh-oh. FloBot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today.
0: Folks, you only have a few days left until Valentine's Day. Guys, you're running out of time, but you're not running out of options. You still can get your loved one, your significant other, your mama, your sister, your auntie, or your cousin. You can still get them a very great gift if you make sure chance to go to Sherry Berries. Sherry Berries has some of the best covered chocolate-covered strawberries that are in the world. And I'm telling you, I've had them. And I've shared them, and everybody's been happy with these gifts. And reasonable price. And and think about what you're doing now. You can get a dozen of these, plus a cookie, plus flowers for a reasonable price. Or let's say your, your girl is into sports. Well, you can find some that reflect her sports interest also. Baseball, basketball, football. You can find it, and you can make your person happy i'm telling you you ought to try it go to berries.com right now and go and check out what they have and right now you get a 30 percent discount on your order if you hurry now and i'm telling you you're going to enjoy it that's berries.com get the best chocolate covered strawberries you will find on the planet and make your valentine's day a very very good valentine's day but you better hurry up and do it go get them now Won't be disappointed.
1: You've heard the saying, clothes make the man. Used to be that way with suits. Wear one and you'd start to think like one. Wall Street before Main Street, profit before people. Well, that's changing. I mean, look around. You see a lot more guys wearing the suits. They're not thinking like suits. What it comes down to is this today, You don't have to be one to wear one. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Who loves social networking as much as you? Identity thieves. They can find your personal information and do some serious damage, like your birthday or your mother's maiden name. You need a new friend, Lifeline. We scour billions of data points every day. And if we discover that any of your personal information is misused... LifeLock is there. Call us at 1-800-LIFELOCK or go to LifeLock.com today.
0: Welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And again, we thank you for tuning in with us today on this Ash Wednesday, the first day of the Lenten season. And if you're observing Lent, we are praying blessings for you and that you will be empowered uh, during your days of observance. So in this last segment, we, we talked about uh Leandria Johnson and Preachers of Atlanta and Kirk Franklin and all that's going on here with collaborating with with um Kanye West. It, and it kind of segue i I wanted to segue this into our topic today, uh regarding the black religious struggle, uh our legacy and our struggle for legacy and le- legitimacy over the last uh at least two and a half centuries uh that most of our uh black churches have existed. And I don't know a lot of people still have a problem with this idea uh, this idea of a black church and a white church and say that we're one church. Yes, we are one church, but we are expressed differently. Uh you know, you're not gonna find the uh, carbon copy of anything when it comes to religious expression, not even in other religious uh faiths. You're not going to find a car and copper. We are expressed differently. And, and the uniqueness of the black church is what I enjoy talking about. So I don't, I don't intend to offend anyone by just being specific. But, you know, my experience is that of the black church in its different expressions. And we're talking about that a little bit later. But in its different expressions, the black church has been and is a very unique institution. Uh, and I I I always counter this argument when people say, well, uh, Christianity is slave man's religion. And I have to remind people, no, Christianity was not forced. Well, yes, it was forced in in many cases on slaves as a means of controlling them, as a means of manipulating them. Yes, but you know, when you go back to the first century and you, you discover that. Uh, <laughs> The Ethiopian church has been, the Ethiopian copic Coptic church has been in existence since the first century and largely unchanged and unfettered since then. And the expressions that they have, the sacredness of, that they have for their faith is amazing. And even though uh, it's not as known, it's well documented. And both the Egyptian uh, Jews, I mean, not Egyptian <laughs> The Ethiopian Jews and the Ethiopian Christians uh, go back centuries before uh, the modern idea of the Western Church, okay? And, of course, the Ethiopian Jews centuries before the, even Christianity. So that I just wanted to preface what we talked about because um, when we do think about the black church, And from my experience growing up, you know, there was a lot, you know, there was a high moral inside the church, not necessarily outside the church, but inside the church, you know, you were, you you were expected to have this out to be one of outstanding moral character. And, you know, that was idealized in some places, you know, that were a bit overzealous in that. um, And also when you look at the institutional black church, you look at the nine major black denominations or uh, the three primary uh, denominations of Methodism, Baptist and uh, Pentecostal within all of their expressions and reformation and communions. Uh, what you find is a connection that runs through all of them regarding the expectation of high moral character. Um, In the Methodist, of course, you know, you had that grew out of the Wesleyan tradition of sanctification and holiness. And then you have the uh, Pentecostal that actually also grew out of the sanctification and holiness movement thanks to the likes of uh, William Seymour with the Zusa movement. In Los Angeles in nineteen o six and with uh, c h Mason, with the formation of the Church of God in Christ in the eighteen i was eighteen ninety six or ninety seven that later embraced and uh thrust forward more so than any other denomination the idea of pentecostalism uh and you have the Baptists who are as diverse as you can imagine, you have those Baptists who are, uh, who at the time, you know, more, more reformed, Calvinistic in so many ways, Calvinistic in their idea, uh, and there's still a lot of them who carry that today. Uh, and and then those who were, who, uh, as far as the latter, uh, more recent, moved toward the charismatic full gospel and Pentecost, you know, you know, that I'm um, uh, promoted largely by Paul Morton and his full gospel Baptist Church fellowship. Anyway, growing um, f- from those perspectives and those backgrounds, you know, we can see the diversity of expression of religious standards. But, you know, it was different from that about white counterparts, you know, uh, I think about, uh, uh, Hawthorne's, I think Scarlet Letter and during the Puritan time and, and while slaves were embracing a sense of religious, uh, identity during that time, and as they were coming over to the, to the colonies in the latter part of the 17th century, um, They began to identify you know find some means of integrating this idea of christianity into their worship experience you know their religious practices but it became more recognized and more formal of course during the 19th and the 20th centuries as these churches became more independent and more independent they became uh they were able to establish a greater sense of religious identity To uh, differentiate themselves and for example you know with the pentecostals there there are various branches the holiness was not just in behavior but it's also in attire and of course that was across the board for a lot of you know because i grew up in the baptist church where women still didn't wear pants in the church you know you could wear pants everywhere else you just didn't wear pants in church even if you came for choir rehearsal, you had a skirt on. If you had jeans, you had a skirt on over your jeans. And then, of course, those that were those who were in the Pentecostal sphere, that you know, you didn't do anything. You know, skirts, nothing. All of that was uh, uh, all but forbidden. Any type of secular activity uh, was was all but forbidden. It's. It, it's just the way it was. The Methodists kind of had a balanced approach. Well, not so much a balanced approach, but a bougie approach. <laughs> you know, uh, we were the uppity ones. So many words. I I know that's a very general, <laughs> generalized way of putting it, but it really was. And uh, it is what it is. Let me take this caller and we we'll get your thoughts. Caller 314,
1: you on air. You know, you were talking about the chronological creation of religion you mentioned, the Coptics. And I hear blacks in America take credence of what the Ethiopians was doing. The blacks in America is not the same as the the, the e, blacks in e, Ethiopia shall say the East Coast. East Coast Africans and West Coast Africans have various dissimilarities. And you know, you can see that today, but Christianity the Kushites fought off the excursion of Christianity into their lands. They fought off Justinian and they fought off Well, they fought off Alexander and they fought off Justinian. And they also fought off the spread of Islam into their areas. They fought off the spread of Islam for almost a thousand years. So they was content with the deities that they had, which was Amun. Matter of fact, the Kushites marched to what they called today Jerusalem, to help the Yahweh's to fight off the Assyrians who was led by Sennacherib. The Assyrians had their own god, their own deity. And the Kushites deity was Amun. So, if people study the chronological history of how these things came about being, you know, Yahweh's created, had Yahwehism, then your Judaism Then your Christianity Then Islam You know as we see it Of course it's not as it was today But that's the way they came about Now you talk about the Ethiopians Today in Gondor in Ethiopia The so called better Israelites They only Comply with the Old Testament They do not bow with the New Testament And another point The Africans that were brought to the New World, they was following Judah they were sorry, they were following tradition and they were following Mohammedism which came to become Islam. You remember the movie Roots? Yeah. Kuta Kente was calling on Allah. That's true. Fiddler was calling on, you know, the Christian God because Fiddler was born in slavery. Kuta had just been captured and bought here. They, did, uh, Stanley, Martin Stanley, and and uh, Livingston had not worked their way down into West Africa until the 1800s, and there was no missionaries going into what they called the hinterland. They was there on the coast. So, uh, yes, you had missionaries then that was trying to spread Christianity into African countries, which they did do, but that was recent in history. It wasn't very early on. Okay. So, yes. Yeah.
0: So, what what would you say regarding their idea of religious morality? Um, and, and well, its influence on
1: the- uh, what you <laughs> call that- religious, mo- yeah. Well, men created their own gods. Every society had their own deity, and religion springs out of ethnic groups' culture. Because it's in the culture where you set the rules and the regulations. You set the ideas about marriage and so on. You know, even in the Bible, it tells you who not to marry. People don't believe that. Uh, the God of the Old Testament say, you are a particular people unto me. They tell you you don't have no other God. So it was for those people that created that that they were talking about. Uh, it was Christians that called what you call the first five books. They called it the Old Testament. Just think the people who wrote it, how could they call the Old Testament? What were they comparing it with? So somebody else called that the Old Testament when they created what they call a New Testament and it was just a a roundabout way to put themselves ahead of or on top or have more recognition from a historical content. So morality is whatever a society called morale, morale, Uh Here in the United States, it's okay for two men to marry. You go elsewhere place in the world, you can't do that. It's not moral. I mean, would you agree?
0: Uh, yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, those countries <laughs> are still largely... Uh, more uh you know Islam, islamic in most cases, not uh not Christian and ones that are no, in
1: African countries uh yeah you know, so decided, the yeah are
0: Christian are are largely found in the the African and South you know Latin American South American communities uh countries.
1: Mhm. So that's the way it is. Now you know recently they just discovered a tribe of people right off the southern coast. Let's see, yeah, southern coast of India, on an island called the Jarara that on the Adaman Islands. And that group, those people are jet black, and they have the oldest biological genes, unadulterated on the planet that we know of. You know, there's still groups of people on this planet that have not even came in contact with civilization. Believe it or not, and they don't. They have. They did not even know chicken pots, mumps, or even a cold, the flu. The same way the Hawaiians, they didn't know chicken pots, the mumps, the cold, or flu. And also, uh, many of the groups, when Cortez was doing his explorations in the South America, uh, when they came in contact with those indigenous people, well, disease liked to wipe them out. Uh, Africans didn't know the cold or flu until they came in contact with, you know, European uh, explorers, believe it or not. So you ask yourself, if these people don't know anything about Christmas, don't know anything about, quote unquote, the Bible, then how, what do they have? Well, they have what they created for themselves. And that's, uh, they, they are just as legitimate as anybody else, any other group.
0: I, I I agree I agree with you and I appreciate you for giving, calling in and sharing that
1: Now I know that would make you want to do some more studying but it's good <laughs> It's good <laughs> to do the study You know, I spent 8 years going in and out of pyramids, tombs and temples over in, in Egypt and you'd be surprised at the things that you see We uh, you, they do ex- excavation on civilization going through people's garbage that existed 65,000 years ago so man's been around a long time. White skin is relatively new to the planet because it had not evolved. I mean, you go up in the northern areas and you stay with lack of sunshine and you don't you drop your melon. Your body don't need it any longer. You need it in the tropical zones because it protects you from the harmful uh, rays of the sun. Uh, if you ever looked at a map of the world and put on the number of incidents of say prostate cancer with black men you have relatively few around the equatorial areas you have quite a few in what's now called western societies maybe it's because you're not in your own zone you know what I'm saying
0: (laughs) of course there's always possibility Uh, okay I'll let you
1: get back yeah sorry (laughs) go ahead no, no, no. No, I don't want to pick up your, your show, but I just wanted to add that I just happened to drop by.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate that. That's a great insight. Uh, um, I, I did research the uh, the article that you mentioned, and it's always insightful and awful ways wonderful to get new information like that. I wasn't aware, and I'm sure a lot of people weren't aware but, uh, of that, that, uh, that tribe that's been untouched, but it's great to learn it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they've been around. They the oldest. They they had the oldest uh, DNA on the planet. You got the Aborigines on uh, Australia. They say they remember when well. They remember when Adam and Eve came to town. And I think they're just joking. But uh, no, that's just the way it is. People, uh, humankind. We all humans. There's only one race. That's a human race. But there's different ethnic groups. And those ethnic groups are different because of the environment that they live in, the experiences that they have. And that has to set their mode of thinking, their ideas, and, you know, a whole host of things. Russians do not get along with white Americans here in the United States. They're different. They Russians are Asians. That's Eastern Asia. In France, they're Western Asia. Europe was not a continent. Europe is connected to the continent of Asia. So they got the power to call anything they want nowadays. The international date line was down the middle of the Great Pyramid. Now they've moved it over someplace in Europe. You know, so what's what's your astrological sign? You Aquarius or?
0: My astrological sign? Uh,
1: it is mm-hmm. Gemini, I guess. Well, guess but what? It, it was not It was not called Gemini. It had already been named. <laughs> so when somebody sits you down, open your palm up and say, well, you're going to do this because you're Gemini, you should look at it and say, give me my money back. you crazy. <laughs> because it was called something other than Gemini by other groups of people. <laughs> and it don't mean the same. That's right.
0: Well, look, I appreciate your call. Thank you again, man. I appreciate
1: you. Okay, I, I continue to listen, young man.
0: All okay. right, continue to listen. Spread the word. Thank you so much. All right, so, you know, he brought up some very interesting points, and I, I was trying to trying to uh, connect, make the connection and, I, and I, a bit of a stretch to do so, but in my original you know premise that I, I led off with um, regarding the religious standards, uh, and, and trying to trying to uh, the reason I went back to the sources, you know, kind of give a little historical reference points, uh, frame of reference rather, is because I think some in some cases, you know, when when we ascertain the new idea of Western Christianity. Uh, we did so with such zeal, and, you know, in some ways it helped us because we used those that, that those religious morals to build, you know, communities and expectations and things of that nature that were empowering for us, you know, as we gained independence. That was our way of showing that we were assimilating into this Western identity. And largely, especially during the Victorian era, uh, the Victorian era, uh, and white folk, you know, had their temperance movements and all that, you know, I, I was surprised as I've, as I've read in, on this and uh, how much we embraced, how, how, not only how much, but how quickly and zealously we embraced the idea of temperance and prohibition, and, uh, and although we had our juke joints in the backyard or in the swamp or in the bayou or wherever it was, <laughs> you know, I... I, I I think about you know the movie the color purple, and you know the juke joint that um that Harper built you know way back in the in the batch, not but still close enough to a church, so that even when Shi Gabriel was getting her groove on in the juke joint, she was able to hear a song from the church where her dad preached, and you know he had just pretty much disavowed her because. You know, she is in the juke joint, uh, and, and that type of that type of thing. And of course, you think about uh, you think about all all the the preachers that were banning secular music. Or, uh, matter of fact, you think about the secular artists, and all of them, most of them say they got their background singing in the church, uh, and then eventually, eventually, with less restriction, moved out into the, the secular world of music, uh, especially groups like uh, the Isley Brothers, uh, the Barge, uh, uh, those groups, and, and probably many others. Uh, Maurice White, as we celebrate his life and legacy, you know, his father being a preacher, his family being rooted in the church, and he built on that sense of spirituality to create uh, the elements of Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I salute you, my brother, Maurice, may may you rest. But, you know, in in so many ways that zeal helped us, but I think it hampered and it damaged us quite a bit also because it it created uh, this cognitive dissonance, uh, wanting to be one thing yet being another, you know, wanting to be holy and realizing that you were far from it. I think about my own personal religious experience and expression in that sense. Where, you, know, you see the standard that's been raised and you try to ascertain that and realize that it's all it's all but unattainable as Paul wrote, writes in Philippians. You know, Not that I've already attained, neither am I already perfect, yet I press to attain that for which has apprehended me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus and is that pressing uh for the attainment of, of some idealized self that has created quite the struggle the religious religious struggle that I'm you know and and our in our in our in our effort to be legitimate legitimized by the Western church we created this you know we have a legacy a rich 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 legacy of being independent thinkers, uh, creating uh, atmospheres of worship that are lively and expressive. And that's one reason why the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Richard Allen, stayed with the Methodist Episcopal Church because in his words, he's like, this was the best means of religious expression for those Blacks in his area that he felt. He felt that way. Now, uh, others who joined him uh, who Who walked out of uh St George's church with him uh one in particular Thomas Coker went to the uh what is now the Episcopal church and became a priest and he liked that the high order you know but but that that sense of religious freedom being expressed across the board in the black church, you know you had those shouting Baptists, you had the shouting Kojic, and you had some shouting Methodists. You had later as, as you know, we evolved, we later in integrated other things like the laying of hands, speaking in tongues, which some still adamantly oppose uh, for what various reasons. Uh, and then other various manifestations of charismata to the point now uh, you have those who are accepting of what's called fivefold ministry. Now, all of that, that seems to legitimize the church. But in the process of legitimizing it, it is really in so many ways, I, I think it's taking away it's taking away the sense of moral obligation that we once held, which is in some ways is a good thing. It's in some ways it's been, you know, laxing the burden of the striving for holiness has been good. But at the same time, it created the kind of things that we're seeing now, being reflected in the Black Church. Uh, when you have characters, persons like Leandria Johnson and other, you know, others who are exploiting this freedom. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, he says, "Your deeds are free, but do not use your freedom as a means of sinning. Uh, do not allow that freedom." to get you to sin or cause you to sin. Uh, and I, I think part of our religious struggle now, no longer do we wrestle a, a struggle with the sense of identify, identifying as a solid religious uh, body, you know, or we no longer struggle with legitimizing our worship experience because, you know, white folk are intimidated. They're imitating our worship experience. <laughs> They're imitating our shouting. They're imitating our preaching. They're imitating our our singing. So we have been legitimized in that sense, uh, but we have lost, you know, the other the other things that have been empowering to us. That dissonance is creating a greater uh, disparity. And which is why a lot of people are are leaving. You know. Of course, they'll say there's hypocrites in the church. Yes, there always been always been hypocrites in the church. I mean, heck, there were hypocrites in the disciples. <laughs> Judas was a hypocrite. Peter was a hypocr- was a hypocrite. You know, and they were followers of, of of Jesus. So you know that that argument, you know, is insufficient. It's not. It's fallacious at best. Salacious is best, Uh, but my question, my question is now, what do we do? How do we get back to that sense? And as the brother said, yeah, morality uh, is created in so many words. You can, you can, you can say that, depending on who you, what uh, philosophy of morality you ascribe to, if it's Kantian, if it's um, Aristolian, it's you know, depending on that. Uh, we could get all across, go all all around the board on that. But the idea that this sense, this the way we we uh, integrated this this sense of zeal for uh, a, a religious standard, uh, moral standard, empowered us, you know. But but now you have churches where. Pastors or uh, uh, members can run amok in the church, still maintain office, still maintain their, their charge, and without reprimand in some cases. Uh, there there are cases, and we talked about these cases on, on the show, where, you know, there have been preachers who have gone wild, literally, whoring around, and and it wasn't until people got mad and fed up over something like money. That they will put out, you know. Uh, so, what would be our our legacy as a black church? What what would be the legacy? Uh, what is our legacy? Should we have a legacy? Should we be concerned about legacy? As uh, more people are leaving the church, uh, both black and white, as more people are leaving the church. What do we have to offer them, bring them back to not just the church, but the sense of grounding that the church helped establish in the black community, the sense of grounding as a people. What can we do as pastors? What can we do as as religious organizations? I, I you know, I go back to this issue with Flint, Michigan. This is the perfect, this is a perfect example of where the Black church should have stepped up. You know, and there's still plenty, I know, you know, I know there are probably many uh many, many uh high profile faith based leaders, church pastors who have uh gone to the aid of those in Flint. But think about it the black church as as Independent organization, collective independent organization. If we were to uh, govern ourselves as as a body, as a as a uh, holy Catholic Church, similar to that Roman Catholic Church, if we could if we could function in the with recognition of our differentiation, you know, our differing uh, reformations and protocols and liturgies and that, if we could function like that, can you imagine how empowering we would be? How powerful we would be. I know that's a a dream for some, but it's a possibility. I like to think of it. I, I like to think of the time when we will not need crises like Flint, crises like uh, Travon Martin or Mike Brown, or any of these injustices that we're seeing. Uh, we wouldn't need crises like this to get us into motion to act. But it is what it is. Listen, I've, I've run out of time. Thank you for listening. We'll be back here next week with the Lord, uh, uh, as the Lord lives, leads us to do so. And I want to take this opportunity, if you're in the Jackson Metro area, to invite you to come out to the New Bethel Church. On uh, this coming Sunday, we'll be observing our annual Men's Day, and our speaker will be the Honorable uh, Victor Mason, who is the Sheriff for Hines County in uh, Mississippi. So we're excited about that. Want to give you the opportunity that. Also, if you haven't done so, go to LorenzoTNeal.com and go to the bookstore. Go to the store and order a copy of my book, A Breach in the Family. Uh, I'm telling you, it's a great book, and you'll be. You'll be blessed by it. You can share it with uh, your families and help be empowering to uh, those around you. Uh, also available on Amazon.com and Barnes and & Noble, all of this stuff. But anyway, that's my plug for the day. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a great Valentine's Day. Till then, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I am out. God bless you and God keep you.